Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. Dear Damsels, it's my first year post-grad and I was honestly super excited about graduating and putting on my big girl pants and starting my career and actually having money to do things with my friends. However, in college, I only had random hookups. I never actually went on a date with a guy. I'm really nervous to actually start dating someone and not even sure I really want to. What do I need to know to go on a date? Should I feel more excited about getting into a relationship? Love you cuties, signed, (laughs) college educated and don't need no man. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. (laughs) Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Who? Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah we see them, yeah we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Osh. And I'm Alejandro. And today we had the pleasure of speaking with Gigi Robinson, who is a mental health advocate. She is a Gen Z thought leader. um, And also she was a Sports (laughs) Illustrated swimsuit model, which was so cool. It was really great getting to, you know, to know her and talk about mental health and talk about social media. Yeah, the social media bit really was amazing to understand how we can make it more purposeful and how we don't have to fall into the rabbit holes of, you know, scrolling through for hours on end. And her insights on just staying true to the boundaries that we set in our relationships and moving forward with purpose. This episode has everything. It's really, really great to, to hear all that Gigi has to share. And she's excited. only 23, but she has the insight right. of a 95 year old who's seen life and lived life, which is so freaking phenomenal. Who cannot wait to get into it. So uh, let's, do it. <laughs> let's do it. Can you tell us a little about yourself, your background, how you became a Gen Z thought leader and mental health advocate? Yeah, well, hi, everyone. It is so nice to be here with you two tonight. I'm really excited to have whatever kind of conversation we end up having. But I really established myself as kind of a Gen Z thought leader, especially in the influencer and creator economy space by literally going through the motions and doing it and being kind of that early adopter in places where I could. So literally being on Instagram, like I think I first started in like 2012. um, And I started posting my photography on it. And then as I you know, was going through college on my undergrad, I did projects like kind of proving that social media could be art. And as I did that, I was able to kind of articulate my thoughts as to conceptually why social media can be art and why it's important for not only the art world, but like for people to digest content in a certain way, you need to be able to 
tell a story about it in a certain way. And that's really what my BFA in undergrad was about. And now in my master's of science, I'm really focused on the future, the relationships we have with technology and the way that it's moving um, and whatnot. And I just talk about it online all the time. And in terms of mental health and chronic illness, I have lived with chronic illness my whole life, but diagnosed around age 10. And that was really challenging. And I don't think I fully knew what chronic illness meant or what like my life would would be like living with it throughout my teenage years throughout my college years and again going through it having made mistakes looking back I kind of talk about what I would have done and differently and also whatever I say hopefully like is phrased in a way so that people can go and then apply it to their own lives and their own situations and that's really what it means to be a thought leader it's somebody that inspires action and you know that's what I what I aim to do I like that you move with action as you know the main driving force or not main but one of the main driving forces that you use to continue as a thought leader and mental health advocate um you mentioned social media, and I feel like a lot of times when social media comes up in conversation, it can always be spoken about in a way that is like, oh, it's just, it's, there's too much. There's an abundance. Right. There's always, you know, the issues of comparison. How would you advise um, anybody listening on maybe avoiding comparisons or just using? social media as like a safe space rather than this like source of angst? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and I love the calmness of your voice, by the way. It's very <laughs> <Thank> calm. You. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I really think that the biggest thing that has to, that dictates this relationship that we have um, and this angst we have around social media is not only about fear, but it, the fear is kind of, prompted by mindset. And I think we have to really focus on looking internally from younger ages. I was fortunate enough to be able to go to therapy at, you know, I started in second grade. That's like pretty young for being in therapy. And it was really, really helpful. And I think transformational in shaping my mindset over the years and being able to let things go, but also set a boundary with it. In a lot of ways, people like let things go and then they become a pushover, but no, you have to let things go and kind of like you can forgive, but not forget. And I think yeah. that that's super, super important when moving on, especially with friendships, especially as you develop in your career and move forward with your life and social media. I think that's been the hardest pill to also put into action because there's a lot of times where unfortunately now I'm realizing so many people were just my friends for the time being. And now that I'm successful, like you know, I haven't talked to somebody in a long time and they hit me up out of nowhere and it's like, okay, dear, what do you want? <laughs> and it's really like, you can understand the phoniness a lot more when I think also people feel so entitled to one another's lives, to your friend's life, to knowing what they're up to all the time. But like, that's not normal. You're supposed to also live your life and detach yourself from technology. So it's about mindset, but it's also about mindfulness uh, about your environment. And all of this is really challenging to do. I mean, I'm about to turn 24 in May and like, you know, I am still learning this. It's not something that I like magically woke up one day and was like, wow, I'm so inspirational and cool and understand my boundaries. It's like, no, this has taken years and it's also taken a lot of 
I think reflection as well, which is really important. How are you able to kind of turn social media into a healthy, safe space uh, for mental health? Because I know that there is, like we talked about comparison um, and it's about having those boundaries, but could it be, you know, like from changing the people that you follow or what are ways that you are able to stay mentally sane while, you know, seeing people's content on there? Well, back to mindfulness, I love doing breath work and kind of meditating as I do that, but um, I try to do a 30 minute practice every day. It's really hard, but I try to, and I have an amazing teacher that I learned from and being able to just spend that with my eyes closed, not looking at my phone, not focusing on anything other than holding my breath a certain amount, um, you know, relaxing my body, scanning, seeing how I can start my day or end my day or wind down is like really important, especially considering I'm on my freaking phone, like all day. Um, I'm literally like a slave to my phone. Like it's really bad. And I, I just don't, I mean, it's like right next to me, not like, not going to lie. Like it's not even, it's on do not disturb, but my email inbox is open because I'm like awaiting certain emails, you know, mm -hmm. and it's hard for your brain to shut off. And I think that the pandemic kind of accelerated that for a lot of people, but in terms of making the internet a safe space, I mean, I just simply like use the filters that Instagram, TikTok have to filter out those nasty negative words. So like anything negative that I could think of, I went through one day and just like went through and was like, do not show me anything with this word. And that's something that really, really helps me not to say that, like, I don't think we should see negative things, but I think there's so much going on in the world that if you can make social media a place where you don't see any of that, then like, that's great. Mm -hmm. I also think conscious scrolling is really important. And a lot of people unconsciously just find themselves in those rabbit holes in a YouTube dark hole in a TikTok, you know, endless scroll in an Instagram reels or Instagram explore page scroll, or a, even a Pinterest scroll, right? It's kind of similar to how we used to scroll on Tumblr. I used to scroll for hours and hours, but we have to think about what we're consuming and how it's affecting us when we see it. Are we consciously looking at it and being like, haha, that was funny. Oh, wait, wait, that didn't sit well with me. Why didn't that sit well with me? And as we go through those kinds of motions and recognize when something makes us feel uncomfortable, you can like report that you don't want to see that or say like, show me less of this kind of content. You can unfollow people that might resemble that. On the other side, I would say, go through and do an audit. See like, what kind of content do you like? What aligns with you personally? Are you into sustainability? If so, who are the people you're following? Um, what books are you reading? Are you following those authors? Are you following those people's mentors? So on and so forth. So it's kind of like that, not, what is it? Seven degrees of separation, but like on social media, like seeing who's connected to the people that you really admire and how does that reflect your personal beliefs? And that has really helped me curate a very, you know, positive conscious social media page. And then the last part of this, which is about how I talk about mental health online. I think by this point, I've been on like over 60 podcasts and, you know, I've been interviewed a lot of places about my journey with mental health and my journey with chronic illness. And really, I believe that sharing, um, not in the sense of trauma bonding, but really sharing my experience can help other people learn and kind of not make the same mistakes that I've made. So I feel really confident and comfortable having a dialogue, especially if I'm able to put out a silver lining with it. And on top of that, I think it's also really possible that like I live with this chronic illness and I've achieved so much and I help so many people, but I think that they 
can like coexist without being like connected fully. That's really smart to be doing from the get-go. I mean, that's amazing that you were able to have that experience at the age of second grade, like to be in therapy and to learn all of these experiences and carry it with you. Because as someone who is, you know, social media is a big part of their your career. It's like you have to have these boundaries with it and you have to have set up these healthy ways to be on it and not let it affect you and like kind of, you know, you take so many steps back just because of what you see on a screen. Um, I have a lot, I have a very love hate relationship with social media. I can either spend hours scrolling on TikTok or scrolling on Instagram. And I have that thing set up where it's like, you know, the timer where it's like, you've been scrolling for 30 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. the boundary that I set. I ignore that every time. Oh yeah. Every time. Same, same, same. It's so funny. Like, I feel like boundaries that we try and set up for ourselves can be so dismissed just yeah. because just like you were saying, uh, Gigi, whereas like we find ourselves in, in, in the rabbit holes of yeah. what social media is giving us. But yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you turn, how do you turn it off when something else is clearly not working to turn it off for you? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I think like, it comes down to how rigid you want to be and what boundary you want to have. I mean, I think also when those things happen and you're like, no, I want to continue scrolling. Like, what are your priorities? Like, do you have time to scroll? Um, Are you scrolling because you're avoiding something? Are you scrolling because, you know, something tumultuous is happening at home? Are you um, scrolling to avoid homework? Right? Like there's so many different reasons why we avoid that. But I also think you can think about like, is this giving me dopamine? Like, am I being mentally stimulated by what I'm looking at? Is this valuable to my life or my career or my education, right? Like, I think those are the questions we have to ask ourselves when we try to push ourselves over the edge into that kind of realm of like surrendering to the phone. But I think it's really important to just like, again, take that step back and be like, why, you know, Mm -hmm. simply why? And like, Am I aware of my habit to consciously ignore something that I set up for myself that I know is going to be better for me? Tell us about the podcast and how were you able to do it? Oh, wow. Well, um, thanks for asking. Um, How was I able to do it? Well, I personally um, started this podcast, Everything You Need Is Within, when um, it was basically like a year into the pandemic. Um, So, you know, December of 2020, and I had had a conversation with Julia Michaels, who is a a famous singer songwriter. And, um, you know, the conversation we had was about mental health in the music industry predominantly. And although I'm not in the music industry, I was able to kind of interview her in a way that made me realize like, oh, I'm really good at interviewing and mental health is not fully talked about as much by these high profile people. How can I also scale that down and also talk not only to the celebrities of the world, like eventually I want to get there, but for now, how can I do it with people that other Zoomers looking at online every day? And also to represent and share and elevate voices of marginalized communities and different kinds of people so that, again, nobody feels alone in whatever journey they are going through in any given moment, that somebody could listen to any episode and see a little bit of themselves in every interview. 
And that's really, I think, where I kind of started with everything. And I'm really glad how it ebbed and flowed. And I am a huge proponent of just shooting your shot. And I was able to shoot my shot. Um, I simply, and I know this is going to sound really fucking crazy, but I literally DM'd, you know, people from Spotify and got a meeting and the rest is kind of history. And since I had that live hosting experience and, oh yeah, that was another element of my show that I think made it different is my shows are live and they're unedited. So I go live and whatever goes down, goes down. If there's an internet crash, whatever, um, you know, if there's um, something we need to bleep out that like, you know, in post-production, we can do that. But I have my audience be a big part of that because I really genuinely want people again to realize that like we're human and it's not this perfect production. I am really curious what you learned from the swimsuit search and uh, oh my God, even how that came about. Yeah. Well, again, like I just went ahead and like, I, I always feel weird when I say it in like this way, but like I sh- shooted my shot. I shot my shot. I don't know. I just really freaking went for it. And I think that that's like beyond important to just do because a lot of times we're the only people holding us back from like literally mm. anything. Totally. So I think that that's really just extremely important to think about. But I had, I was inspired by this girl who won last year from USC. Her name is Katie Austin. And, um, you know, she, I, I had seen her before um, at USC. And I thought, okay, if she can do it, so can I. Like, I li- it literally wasn't even like a second thought or a doubt in my mind. Like, I knew it was going to happen for myself. And I just, I went, I went for it. And again, like the narrative wasn't, oh, I want to, you know, show off body positivity. I want to show off mental health because to be honest, that has been, I think a hot topic for a long time, Um, at least in the past, maybe five years. What I wanted to talk about was invisible conditions outside of mental health conditions, because those are just as prevalent as you know, any other mental health condition, 75% of our population in the United States lives with a chronic illness. I mean, that's an obscene And that was really something that, again, like I wanted people to know that they could again see some some someone like them in any aspect living with a chronic illness living with depression living with anxiety living with an eating disorder anything really um and they could feel empowered to see that somebody else with something invisible was able to just like go for it and just enjoy life and enjoy getting a crazy photo shoot spot with with sports illustrated and um you know also like my photos in the issue were not going to be retouched like we were allowed to choose and I chose to not retouch my photos um because again I don't I don't filter retouch anything online that I do and that's just a philosophy that I personally believe in after being trained in you know industry trade wise like this is how you retouch this is how you sound edit this is how you video edit and I just was like nah, I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't want to do that to my stuff. So lo and behold, we are not retouching. I really love that because there is going back to social media, you know, there is this thing where most of the time social media, what you see on there isn't real. You know, you see a lot of these models and people that you look up to um, with, you know, like this body that you feel like you want. Um, And nine out of 10 times they've retouched it. They've face tuned it. They've photoshopped it. And 
what you're seeing is not what is the reality. And I really commend people. I know um, there was a Victoria's Secret model that made a video that was like, this is a real me. Like, this is what I look like. Not what you see mm-hmm. on social media, not what you see in my photo shoots. Like, this is what I have. Like, these are my yeah. stretch marks. Like, this is my stomach. Um, you know, like, this is my underarms. Like, it was really cool to see that because I've had, I've gone through that. You know, I'm, I'm in the modeling industry as well. And I've gone through that. I've seen it. I've been there on the other side being like, damn, I really want this girl's body. And like, oh, I really want to look like her. And then for the longest time, I would look at all these influencers and I'd follow all these influencers. I'd just follow them based on what their body looks like and how, and if I want their body or not, that's the only reason why I'd follow them. And then I'd follow exactly what they said, they say that they eat in a day, you know, how they make what I eat in a day videos that are probably not accurate. Um, That's that I was obsessed with that for the longest time. When then I started asking myself questions like, why, Mm -hmm. why do you want this body? Why, how do you know that it's real? Yeah. Um, And I, I did talk to my therapist about it. It was a whole phase phase of my life where I just felt like I needed to have this body, but I didn't know why. Yeah. Or I didn't no, even and, realize that it wasn't even real. Yeah. And, and that's like the really like sad thing about social media. And again, why I go back to that question of how can you make social media a safe space for yourself mm-hmm. and like a space that you don't need to have these self-deprecating thoughts because like, imagine like, we're like, I don't, I don't want to ask like how old you guys are on this, but like, I'm, you know, about to turn 24. Like we're kind of like young ish adults. Like we're, if we're feeling this, imagine what like a middle schooler is doing when they look at it, when they don't have like a formed brain to analyze like, oh yeah, wait, that's actually an intrusive thought. That's a negative thought, right? Like how do we nip that in the bud and how do we be those role models and kind of set the example of like, that's what can happen. It's detrimental. Clearly it can lead to eating disorders. It can lead to mental health disorders um, and conditions. And we always want to prevent those uh, kind of like onset um, happening if we can. And I truly believe education is the source and talking about and analyzing every single thing that we consume, really. I mean, not like all the time. I do this once a quarter um, and I sit down and I, you know, I have um, kind of like a strategy that I put together about kind of content curation. Who's the community? What are you curating? What are you, uh, why are you creating? Um, where are you circulating your content or um, where do you find your content, right? Um, who's, again, the community behind it? Um, how much time do you spend consuming it? All of these factors and I write them down. And when I have that, I look at it and I'm like, okay, with all of this, where's the evidence? Where can I actually see like that on my feed? And is what I'm saying reflecting that? Because if it's not, then I have to go to my feed and say, okay, who's doing it right? What's making me feel bad? How can I refix or like readjust? And um, yeah, it's a lot of work, but I think it could take less than an hour. It's less than a doom scroll, um, as I like to say. And I think if it helps me, then, you know, it can help other people. I would love to also see in the future more influencers being more transparent about retouching and or having retouching be like acknowledged on a policy level um, and also have influencers work with nonprofits, especially nonprofits that are education focused um, for youth. Hell yes. I love how accountability is fused into everything that you're saying, where you're not only, you know, holding yourself accountable to 
what feels good, but you're also making sure that there is that routine check-in of like, okay, like, is this giving me what I need at this moment? And if not, what can I do to change it rather than, oh, I'm just going to keep scrolling because I'm just going to keep consuming. This is what's popping up in the system. But now that we're talking about accountability and, you know, identifying what we value, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, are there any transferable skills from what you've described to your dating life? Oh, um, I would say yes and no. I've had like a very rocky dating life. Um, Funny enough, you guys are going to love this one. This is like major (laughs) tea. But um, I like dumped this guy like in 2019, honestly, like the summer of 2019. And I mean, he was just like such a shitty guy and I had rose colored goggles and it was just fucking horrible being with him. But anyhow, like I literally thought the anxiety pit in my stomach about being around this person was like butterflies. Oh, I was like, oh God, this is like so bad. And I was like convincing myself all the time, like had to convince myself. But anyhow, I dumped his ass. Guess what? Guess who has LinkedIn premium? Me. Guess who can see how long ago somebody has viewed my LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. Not even Instagram, not Facebook, not, you know, whatever fucking LinkedIn. And that is how I know a fucking one. So, um, yeah. Wow. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think that's just like really, really funny, but I mean, overall, like, again, I've had really not the best luck with dating and with being with guys also because of my chronic illness. However, over the pandemic and also like having so many accolades behind my name like really intimidates guys and I don't want to make my career ever necessarily a part of the relationship but a lot of times people want to know about what makes you interested in like public speaking what makes you interested in being an influencer like the judgment around being an influencer like all of that has been really challenging to deal with on top of having a chronic illness having something that literally is genetic that could affect like the future of of a relationship and a family you know so that's been something that's been very challenging again I'm like about to be 24 I've never had a serious boyfriend and I think that should also be normalized of like not being in a serious like relationship before then it's just been like really, really a, ro- a rocky road. But I think because of that, my boundaries now are so firm that when I go like into the dating world, like even more that I have these boundaries where again, I also don't drink. So, you know, I haven't had alcohol in like a year and a half and that's for medical reasons. And also just like, I feel better without it. And a lot of times I'll get this judgment from people of like, well, why aren't you drinking? And I'm like, why do you care about what I'm drinking? Like, why do you want, like, what's your prerogative here? Like, Mm -hmm. are you trying to make me feel guilty or FOMO? Or are you trying to make me feel embarrassed? Because if so, then I don't want to be with you. Fuck you. Like, bye. Um, I also would say I'm definitely more of a traditional uh, relationship stater kind of person. Like, I will not go out for coffee. I will not go for a walk. I will not go for drinks. Like we are going to dinner or we're going to a a brunch. Like, and the reason for that is because I personally believe that like the right kind of person is not necessarily going to want to take me out for a drink and get some after Mm -hmm. they're going to want to take me out to eat, to have a conversation over dinner for like over an hour, hopefully 
they're going to pay for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, then maybe they have a plan to do something after that's not necessarily, you know, relating to get some, maybe it's like, oh, we go to my favorite bakery or, oh, we go to a jazz bar, you know, like something interesting and fun and quirky, but like, I do not accept easy, like easy is not, you are not getting by with Gigi on easy. And I think also like, again, people can be so intimidated by like a powerful woman who's done a lot and who does good in the world. Um, it makes men a lot of the times feel very emasculated and Mm -hmm. like uncomfortable. And I think again, the right man is like, be like very chill at that and empowered by it. Um, but a lot of the people, especially finance bros in New York, feel really, really, really um, insecure when I have a conversation with them. <laughs> I cannot with these finance bros in New York. Oh, they're horrible. Yes. Hi, my friend, so I would only date like people who are in the creative industry just because that's what I'm surrounded by. And, and it never, I have had a very rocky dating life as well and it never would work out. And so one of my best friends, she was like, you need to just date a finance bro. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? That's like, that is like the ultimate, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, and I've told this story on some other podcasts before, but one time I went out to a bar with my friend and these like bros like come over to us. And I was like, dear God, like we were just having like a casual fun conversation. Like me and my friend, I was like, do not approach us. Do not approach us. Do not approach us. Okay. Hi. Um, and they like come over and they're talking to us. They're like very not, I was not into it. I didn't like the vibe. I didn't want to talk to people. Like I, and when I'm like that, I'm just kind of like, like silent, like not in like a mean way, but like, I don't want to talk to you, like leave, get the memo, read the body language. And I think body language literacy is so important. Also, I will say that, but this guy's like trying to talk to me. I'm like, again, dear God, move this conversation along. He's like, oh, what do you do? My number one rule also is like, do not ask me about work. Like, yes, maybe on the second, third, fourth date on the first date, I want it to be about like the easy question, family, like, you know, lifestyle, travel, like compatibility stuff. Mm-hmm. Work is not really a part of that in my opinion. Like, I don't think work is something that um, we do as a result of what shapes us in our personal life. And I, and I think that we're good at what we do in work because of that. So anyway, so this guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, dear God, I don't want to talk about this. And I'm like, okay, I'm in social media. He's like, oh, what company? And I'm like, I work for myself. He's like, oh, are you one of those blue check girls? And I was like, yep (laughs) like what do you want me to say I was like oh what are you one of those like Murray Hill investment bakers and he was like like he could not believe (laughs) that I said that and I was like are you and he was like yeah I was like (laughs) I was like so why are you on the Upper East Side anyway and this dude's like well yeah you know there's not really much to do in Murray Hill except for like eat steak and go to bars and I was like oh great you're talking to just the right person the person that doesn't eat meat and the person that doesn't drink alcohol alcohol. and then he and then he was like can I get your number and I was like no oh my Um, god like is he not reading between the lines yeah and and my friend was like don't be mean give him your number I was like you can follow me on Instagram if you want he was like I'm gonna message you like let's hang out and I was like oh no no I I also (laughs) I do not give my number out I have a rule that I do not give my number out unless I'm genuinely interested in them um yeah still I'd be like why don't you follow me on Instagram yeah give me that follow give me that like gas me up gas me up random stranger like why the fuck not right 
I hate giving my number out because that is way more personal than giving your Instagram handle. I giving my number out is just giving like now you're <sighs> taking away from like you're you're having like a part of me by having my number. Yeah, I'm so accessible to you now. Instagram at least I don't have to follow you, and if your Insta if your like DMs come in, I don't see them. But like giving right. you my number, like you can call me and text me. Hell no, like we're not doing that. You know being an influencer and having a public life a lot of the time. I mean, that doesn't mean that everything that you see online is exactly how I am and gives you direct access. But again, it goes back to that same thing with friendships and growing up in mental health. Like I feel like it can create a lot of toxicity in relationships and or in dating because those guys are suddenly keeping tabs on you and who you're with and what you're doing and where you're at. And like, that's like super toxic. Like, yeah. no, like we don't like that. Like seeing, Oh, what are you up to? Or like, I just want someone who's going to trust me and know that anywhere that I go, like I am going to be just like jamming and doing my thing and meeting a bunch of people. And I might meet like models. I might meet super big influencers. I might meet super big talent. I might just meet other people that do what I do and get it. It's the same way that you might go to a business summit and you would never question that, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like this common understanding of like, like, so I think people think, oh, you're an influencer. Oh, you work in social media. Okay. I have immediate access to everything about you all the time. And that is simply not true. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> well, now seems like a decent time for us to jump into this letter so we can see what kind of advice you have for Ooh. this writer. Are we ready? Okay. We are ready. Let's do all right. So we have, dear damsels, it's my first year post-grad and I was honestly super excited about graduating and putting on my big girl pants and starting my career and actually having money to do things with my friends. However, in college, I only had random hookups. I never actually went on a date with a guy. I'm really nervous to actually start dating someone and not even sure I really want to. I've only had one boyfriend in high school and nothing since. How do you know when is the right time to go on the dating apps? And is it weird I've never been on a date before? What do I need to know to go on a date? Should I feel more excited about getting into a relationship? Love you cuties, signed, <laughs> college educated and don't need no man. I know that's right. I love that. Oh my gosh. I relate. I really relate on like a very personal level. Like again, like I've been on dates with the people I was with at certain points, but I was never in like a labeled relationship. It was always the situationship, right? Mm -hmm. Of just like casually being with someone and we would go like out and do things, but it was never like a formal, let me actually take you out and like, let's sit down and have like a romantic cute dinner and talk about like our future. Like I've never had that. Um, unfortunately, so I don't know if I have like the best advice for this person on that. And um, I also think dating apps are like super hit or miss. Like a couple of my best friends have met really amazing dudes that they've been in relationships with for a year, two years at this point, like in, it was pandemic dating. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they're loving it and they are besties and they have like a great, you know, solid relationship that they've been in. Um, then I have people who, you know, have, have had horrible luck with dating apps like myself who have not met a single person that's even worthy of going out on a date with, not just worthy in terms of my standards, every single person is worthy period. Um, but in, in terms of like what I'm looking for and like what I feel comfortable with, I also really believe in like meeting people 
in person, um, like at events, like that's like the kind of way I want to meet people because since the dating apps thing, it's just not my jam. And also like post-grad again, what was like one of the first things I said, like being 24 and never being in like a serious committed relationship, like that is super normal. Like a lot of my friends are in the same spot as me. And a lot of my friends who are a few years older have not been in a serious relationship until like 26, 27. Mm -hmm. And we just don't talk about that as much because it's like gross. Like we're supposed to like do the same thing our parents did, our boomer parents did, get married at like, I don't know, 28 (laughs) to 35, (laughs) like, you know? So I also think, yeah, like just remember like my parents didn't meet until they were 35. Like Mm. we have time, like there's not like, we, we shouldn't be in a rush. We should be enjoying life. We should be establishing our career getting that money, like spending time with your best friends, like making memories, traveling. Like that's what like you want. You want like a sisterhood of the traveling pants moment. And if you have a fun random hookup, great, but you're probably not going to end up like with the person you hook up with on a random trip, you know? Yeah. yeah. Also college, like I, you shouldn't ever compare your oh my God. Uh, experiences to college because guys have not fully developed their brains like <laughs> until they're 25. But even that, like you know, I have dated guys way older than that and their brains are still not developed. And I don't know if they are going to be developed. And that's just that. And that's the fact of life. Um, but just know that, you know, your college experiences are great and they're very life forming. And, and this is where you grow the most, but just know that it's okay. It is okay to never have been on a date and to have those random hookups. That's what college is for. Like, you know, get to know who you are as a person, who your actual like group of people are, what you're into, what you're not into. It's a whole big social experiment. That's what it is. You, you shouldn't feel like weird or compare yourself to anybody ever because like, again, another personal example, my brother and his girlfriend have been together for four years since like they were 18 and they're about to turn 24, you know, like it's super mm-hmm. cute. And I've never been in a relationship. So do I, do I get the question all the time from my family? Yeah. But what do I do? Shrug my shoulders. They say, I'm building a career for myself. Like I'm becoming an industry like expert. I'm becoming so good at what I do that I don't have time to mess around with somebody who's just playing games. And honestly, like, I don't even think I want that right now. Like Mm. I want to make this the Gigi show until I'm ready. And I'm cool with that. And that's, what's important about being young and being in your twenties is to discover yourself and make sure that, you know, you're good with who you are and get the other parts of your life, right? Like your goal shouldn't be to find someone because you have the rest of your life to find someone like right now, focus on who you are outside of college, like who you are in the real world. Yes. And I think that that is like, honestly, something that a lot of people just like, again, they rush, like there's Mm -hmm. a whole big thing why do you want to be in a relationship? Like, are you so unwell with like where you're at right now that you just like want to be with some, I guess some people are just like relationship people and they want that. But like, I don't know. I'm also a very like career driven person where like, I will not stop until I get what I want. And honestly, that changes like all the time. Like I probably never will stop. I would honestly imagine myself being single forever just because I'm like, don't, I will never make time because dating on top, like, like for me, my hierarchy is health school work and once school's out it'll be work um and then friends and social life exercise and then dating like dating is literally at the bottom and that's a personal choice but like everyone's pyramid looks different Mm -hmm. totally 
I have a question though. You mentioned yeah. meeting in real life, which I totally respect and love because I definitely prefer that as well. But what if yeah. someone listens to a few episodes and becomes like a religious listener of your podcast episodes? And what if you know, <laughs> over time they, ev- they evolve or d- develop this affection, this deep fondness for everything that you say? And, you know, would you be weirded out by the possibility of that person wanting to like learn about you in a more like romantic setting mm. if they're maybe in the same city or would that be like totally like off limits like no i'm not even dipping my toe in that pond uh this is a really interesting question <laughs> i i'm not sure i feel like if somebody listened i would be like oh that's great but it kind of in some ways like scares me because i feel like listening to a like my podcast or like a you know religiously watching my content is kind of like looking at somebody's business files like you know like it's like I kind of think of it like that so like you know I also deal with this like do I give people my Instagram do I connect my Instagram to my hinge do I make it clear that I'm a sports illustrated model I mean now I have like guys being like giving me attention because of that and I'm kind of like you're just giving me attention because you think I'm hot. Like, and I get that, but like, I don't, I don't know. I also definitely am a more like masculine energy kind of girl where like I am going and I'm providing for myself and I'm getting what I need done. And I'm trying to step more into my femininity and maybe just maybe like Sports Illustrated will give me that reframe to actually do that and like be empowered again by it. And like, actually, if I want, like let guys be obsessed with me, you know, like that's okay also. So it's just like at a healthy level, you know, let guys be obsessed with you. But if you're going to bring somebody into your life, make sure they just have good intentions um, and not yeah. just date you because of your, you know, because of what you do for work. And that's, yeah. that's really important to have. Yeah, I yes. really love how you have a strong foundation with your boundaries. I love that you started with that. And I think that's easy for some of us to forget those boundaries, you know, yeah. or, to be in a relationship where sometimes boundaries can be disrespected or totally overlooked. And then it's like that kind of snowballs into, you know, a crazy pattern that isn't always the most healthy, but yeah, really, really appreciate what you say. And I'm sure there are many listeners out there who are reminded of the value of boundaries and being able to stick to those. Yeah. And also this can be like applied to anything. Like even if somebody goes and stalks your LinkedIn or your career, right? Like if they're judging you based on something that you're doing that you're passionate about, ew, goodbye. Right. No, no. (laughs) Totally. And even like not having like the energy matched for the things that excite you. It's like, you know, if you want, if you want to be in a relationship with someone, it's nice to have that person excited about the same thing. Right. Yeah, dating's really quite interesting. And, you know, I think it's hard. And a lot of the time, like, I think those questions, especially from our loved ones, is like the hardest pill to swallow, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times we're uncomfortable by it. But I think we need to start being empowered by that question and be like, first of all, I appreciate you asking, but why do you care so much about my dating life? What's going on with you? Nothing's wrong with me. Um, this is just where I'm at in my life. And I really hope you respect that. Like there doesn't have to be a reason other than you not wanting to talk about it. Like I've made the excuse of I'm not ready. I'm focusing on myself. I'm focusing on my health. I just haven't found the right guy. Guys are dicks, blah, blah, blah. I've made every excuse. The real excuse is that I just am not interested or ready right now. 
Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I'm I'm fucking on Raya, and Raya is the shittiest app out there. It is the worst. <laughs> it literally is the worst. I've deleted it, and I've got a, I've re-downloaded it and deleted it, and then re-downloaded it. Same shitty people on there. No one's going to change. Exactly. Well, with that, Gigi, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. It's been really great to hear you open up and just get to know you. Um, can you let everyone know where they can find you on social media and your podcast where they can of listen course, to you? Of course. Of course. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Um, you can find me on any social platform with the at symbol and then the word it's and then my name, Gigi Robinson. So it's Gigi Robinson. And you can go to my website, ggrobinson.com. My podcast is also Everything You Need Is Within and it is a Spotify live podcast so that is the tea with that and this was so much fun and i loved the the letter that came in or that was curated um it was fantabulous your advice was also amazing so i'm sure the listener has a lot to think about now all right it's been another episode of damsels in the dms until next time it's going down in the dms bye (laughs) bye DMs, DMs, we don't need them, we just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.